You're listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast, episode 42. I'm going to share six things I hope no guest has to see at your church, ever. Welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks, a podcast designed to help you master church communications and social media. These are practical solutions from the trenches that any church can use. Now, let's join your host, Seth Muse, who I'm sure is coming right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. It's Seth. Thank you for being with me again here today. This is, uh, I'm flying solo today. And so it's going to be a little shorter one, but I've got some really important stuff. I think that you're going to really find some value, especially in the Christmas season that we're entering now, where you're going to have a lot of guests. I've prepared some fun things like six things I hope no guest has to see when they come to your church. So before we get to that, I got a couple of things. I want to do some housekeeping items real quick. This will be the last podcast of 2017. I'll be back with some fresh new stuff in 2018, but just taking, I'm taking the holidays off, man. I'm going and spending time with family. Um, I work at a church, so things get nuts. So, you know, just give me some grace. I'm sure you understand. I'll be back and you know, I will. So I'm excited about 2018. I've already got some podcasts in the can with some really great uh, guests and, and talking about some really important stuff like YouTube and and how to get your, your on- online organic reach to go further. So got some really great stuff. I'm excited. You can find the show notes for today at sethmuse.com slash 42, which I'm happy to announce. I've switched hosting providers. So my website should go a lot faster now. It already is. It was moving at the speed of snail before and I was not happy with it. So over the Thanksgiving break, because that's what you do, wait for a major holiday and then uh, switch major stuff like that because it takes time. So it's already swapped over. It's, it's moving fast and I'm really happy with it. So go check out sethmuse.com and read some of the blogs. And I promise it won't take more than two seconds to load like it was before. I think it was taking like nine, 10 seconds for a page to load guys. It was ridiculous and I hated it. It's one of the things about having shared hosting that, uh, that kind of can kick you. If you don't have a really great company and you've got shared hosting and, uh, I won't tell you what company I was. Yeah, I will. I was on iPage. Anyway, I heard of that. Maybe not, probably not, but, uh, their shared host. I mean, their customer service was good uh, and the service wasn't terrible. It was just very, very slow, which I guess translates as that was kind of terrible, but I moved to flywheel and it is managed hosting. So it's a little bit more expensive, but, uh, managed hosting is faster and I'm excited about it. Uh, so basically what I've learned in the past few days of being an IT guy, I got a Nighthawk, um, for Christmas, I got a Nighthawk router and I'm super excited about that. So I learned some IT stuff. I learned some hosting stuff and I'm just pumped about, uh, you know, learning some new things that I didn't know before. So that's kind of cool. That's for free. Here we go. Well, the whole thing's for free. Here we go. Um, this is the last one of 2017, but I will be back. I want to tell you in January about some things that are coming up that I'm going to be a part of that you need to go check out because not because I'm a part of it. Uh, well, that's part of it, but it's because of who I'm, I'm going to be doing things with. Um, I got two summits. They're online summits for social media and online digital ministry that are free that you've got to go check out. And the first one I want to tell you about is that church summit. You can find it at thatchurchsummit.com. It's free. You can get an all access pass and have access to all the stuff pretty indefinitely after that if you want to. But uh, it's January 23rd through 25th. Go to thatchurchsummit.com and check that out. I'll be one of the speakers there. It's an online conference and there's some big heavy hitters 
hitters at this conference, man. There's some names that I never thought my my name would be next to, and I'm super pumped about it. So go check that out, and uh, you'll you'll be able to take your team through it and get some really great content, some really great training for social media and digital marketing and other things that churches are starting to do more of how to write emails, how to engage your, your, uh, your, your congregation online during the week. I mean, there's all how to do videos better. There's all kinds of great stuff in there. You can see what everyone's talking about and I haven't turned in my topic yet. So my name is not on there, but it's coming and I'm ready. I'm really excited about what I'm going to do for that. The other one is thatchurchsummit.com. Sorry, that's the one I just said. The other one is churchmarketingsummit.com. Those are very similar, so forgive me. Churchmarketingsummit.com. That's going to be in March. It's also free, but that one has 35 or so speakers, and it's a similar kind of thing online, um, uh, you know, recorded conversations that people have, and you can access a few, three or four of them each day, and they'll send them to you in your email, and you can watch, and you have three or four days to watch them. I think both of them kind of work like that. But uh, this was put on by Alejandro Reyes, and uh, he's worked with PushPay, and just uh, just a great guy, knows his stuff, really brilliant. And I think Kerry Newhoff is in this one, Clay Scroggins. Um, I mean, there's just some big names in some of these that are, that are really going to help help you take your digital strategy to the next level. So go check that out. Both of those things are going to be in 2018 and you can go online right now to those websites. That is thatchurchsummit.com and churchmarketingsummit.com. Go check those things out. Sign up for that. Get your ticket. Trust me, it is going to be worth it. So worth it. Well, let's jump into our content for today. Uh, we're going to talk about six things I wish, I hope no guest has to see at your church, which is super important for Christmas. So let's jump into today's topic. Well, I've got six things I hope no guest has to see when they visit your church. And some of it is like more, I hope they don't have to experience this. I may not see it, you know, whatever. But uh, I got six things. And the first three happen before they even show up at your church. So let's dig in. Let's get to the content. I, I love this. I think this is really great. So the first thing I hope no guest has to see is a boring website with broken links or outdated info. Basically just a bad website. I hope no guest has to see that because honestly, if they see that, they're probably not going to, you don't have to worry about them seeing the rest because they're not going to show up. The website is such an important part of getting people to your church. You're talking with your friends. I go to what church? What? Oh, you go to that church? It's cool. Let me check them out. They go to the website. The website is today's business card. It is the thing that people check out almost indefinitely every time, especially if you're below the age of 45, even 50. And I mean, I, even there's people above that age that check them out first. But this generation checks things out. There's enough reviews. There's enough information out there that they don't have to make decisions blindly. And they love it. And I love of that too. I always check out Yelp or I go on Google and I try to look at images of food before I check a restaurant. How many of you out there actually do that too? Don't raise your hand now. Keep your hands on the wheel. You're probably driving, but you do that too. People do that for churches. No doubt. They want to see what's inside your church. And that's when you have a website that has pictures of people and all this great stuff. It shows them what it's like to be at your church. How do I get to your church? That's what they're there on your website looking for. So if you've got a website that's designed with that in mind, you're probably doing pretty good with your website, but I hope they don't see a website that they come to and it's just a picture of a building or it's a website with a ton of text and no pictures at all. 
and there's no, and it's hard to find an address on the front page because they're looking for how to get there, or it's hard to find service times, or they don't know what even kind of church you are. You have some really vague name. It doesn't explain uh, anything that they're used to understanding about theology or religion or whatever. You've got this really long name that has like a bunch of churchy words in it. And then there's nothing on the page that explains what kind of church this is. So if it's vague, if it's, and then they click a link and go about, they click the about link and they go to this other huge text page and it's still very unclear. And then they got a link. They want to see the pastor. Oh, but there's no picture there for the pastor. It says picture coming soon. And the pastor has been there for six years. And you're like, what is going on at this church? They don't have it together. And so they look at that and probably fault you big time. That's a big time fault. It's just like Google. Google doesn't like pages, web pages that are slow. So they won't rank them very high in the, in, in your Google search. So if your page is super slow, that's why it was important to me to get new hosting, right? Because I want my page to be fast because Google will penalize your page for being slow. Well, in the same way, when somebody comes to your pay, to your site for your church and they see some of these little red flags, they will penalize you and, and in their minds, and they may not even come to your church. So that's an important thing. I hope no guest has to see. I hope you go take some time to at least brush up on the info, make sure it's current, make sure your calendar is updated and events from, you know, summer, like summer camps, not still on the youth page and things like that. Cause that never happens. I'm sure. Um, so I hope no one has to see a boring website or broken links with outdated info. The second thing I hope they never see is that your pastor hasn't engaged with social media in over a year or like a long time or posted anything because once they get to your page, they're going to go probably to the staff page. They want to see the pastor and under there, you're probably going to do what most churches do. And it's good that you do. You put Twitter links or a Facebook link. If you want to do that or Instagram or some kind of way to connect with that pastor on social media or the church on social media. So it could translate to just the church as well, not the pastor. But if the church or the pastor hasn't posted anything in a long time, or there's a bunch of gaps in between posts, that's going to be a red flag to your, to, to people checking out your church. Um, now I know the new Instagram and Facebook algorithms, they mess with the timeline of when you see stuff. And so that's fine, but they're always going to probably go to your wall. The only time anyone ever really goes to your Instagram wall, I think is when they're just deciding if they want to follow you or not. So they're going to go to your wall. And I know what I do is, and if I, if you're a tech savvy person, which a lot of us are, then you're going to look at those pictures and you're going to open them up in order and go, when's the last time they posted? That's what I do. I go to other churches, Instagrams and I check. And if you're on my mailing list, I sometimes go and check out and I just want to see who's following me. Who's on my mailing list. Who's on my email list. And I'm, I'm checking out those churches based on emails. You know, it'll be like at FBC, you know, wherever.org will be your website. So I'll just type that in and go see what that, what church looks like, see what your website looks like. And I'm seeing a lot of times where there's a lot of like uh, uh, not updated stuff. And you know, I go to their Instagram account and I see it, man, it was like a month between these posts. So those kinds of things people are actually looking at. It's okay. If um, your pastor hasn't tweeted, as long as they're like, not just doing badly at it, if they're just not involved, um, that's bad. If, if they're tweeting and they're just doing it poorly, um, there, there's some grace there because they're like, most people are like, yeah, he's an older guy or she's an older lady and they don't care about it or whatever. They'll, <laughs> I'm sorry if that offends you, but that's how people think, right? They'll think, oh, they don't, they may just not understand it or care. That's fine. People will see it. But here's the reason that's important is because in this day and age, the culture moves on social media. The subjects of the day are discussed on Twitter. Facebook shares the, the fun memes or whatever that's happening. It shares news. Instagram is showing things that are happening in your local cities and towns. So if you're plugged into those platforms, 
then you're kind of aware of how the culture is moving. And if your pastor is not plugged into the platform, it makes me think as a guest, they're maybe not plugged into the culture very well. So when pastor stands up on the stage and says, our culture is going to hell in a handbasket, well, that doesn't really mean as much to me. And it makes me actually kind of angry because you're not even involved, man. You're not even paying attention. And you're telling me what the culture's like. You don't know how to help me navigate this culture. You don't know how to tell me how to be a better father and a better husband because you're not involved in the culture. The culture's online. And so that's kind of how that translates. Now, I know that's an extreme example, but take that into consideration. And I hope no guest has to really see that. Now, number three, an announcement-driven social feed. So when you do have a social feed for your church, what I hope they don't see is that it's a bunch of graphics you made, no people whatsoever, and it's even worse to me, I think, if they all look the same. And it's even double worse worse if all the photos that you make have text on them that are microscopic. What the heck is with this? This trend is driving me nuts. These microscopic letters and words on on this enormous graphic that when I'm looking at it on a phone, seriously, guys, I can't read it. I'm only 38 years old. and I know I have bad eyesight, but I wear contacts. So I should be able to read what's coming through my, my Instagram feed with some kind of ease. And I just can't. When I get to these posts, I just skip them. I don't even care. I don't like them. I don't skip them because I can't read it. And I'm not going to put the phone next to my eyes like I'm some 80-year-old grandma trying to read, you know, the, the, the something on their phone and start tapping it with my pointer finger or whatever. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to scroll because it makes me feel stupid. And so not that 80-year-old grandmas are stupid, but you know what I mean? I just don't want to feel like that. I'm 38. I'm not young, but I'm not old. So when I'm looking at these graphics, I'm confused by this. Trans, sorry, rant is over. Okay, so what I hope that they don't see is that it's just full of announcements and information. That's really the point. If you're all about info, info doesn't really motivate people to do stuff. If you're just all about info, it's probably automated and it's probably not getting a lot of traction. You're probably one of those people that's saying, I can't seem to get people to engage with my social feed. Yeah, it's because your social feed might be kind of boring. People are not on social media to get information. They may get information on social media, but that's not the reason they're there. And that's an important distinction to make when you're thinking about your social media strategy as a church. Ask questions, put the fun things out, do stuff that people want to interact with, and then drop every once in a while, maybe twice out of every 10 posts, drop something that's informative. But even when you do that, try to make it conversational. Try to make, instead of saying, hey, we've got a bake sale coming up, put up a picture of something that looks really, really delicious and say, how many of you are coming to the bake sale? Let us know what you're bringing in, the, what you hope we have or what you would want to bring. Like think creatively, just get people to talk to you about it rather than tell people about it. And then when you change your strategy, a guest won't come to your feed and go, wow, this church is all about just getting me to do stuff because that's what that communicates. When I have a full announcement driven social media feed, and even in Sunday mornings, when that's all we talk about, when someone talks to me, that's not singing or preaching. And all you talk to me about is what you want me to do. That's the same thing. So when your feed and social media says, all we want is stuff from you. No, thanks, man. No, thanks. And it turns guests off quick. Now, interesting enough, the first three things we've talked about, like I said, happen before you even, they even show up to the church. And if you're thinking about guest connections or first impressions or uh, whatever you want to call it, and you haven't included the digital side, the things that happen before they show up in your strategy, 
you're starting when they show up with a limp. You're already starting a little bit behind because chances are that you've already, they've already interacted with your, with your church in one of those ways somehow before they even set foot on your property. So think about that in your guest connection strategy. I hope that they don't have to see that. And I know that some departments are divided like our, at our church first, first uh, impressions or guest connections is separate from communications, which is separate from video, which is separate from worship, which is separate from creative. So there's a lot of different moving parts there with a lot of people involved. So those departments have to do a good job of talking about how we do things. And so for me, as a guy who handles social media at my church, it's important for me to continually talk to our guest connections pastor and find out how there's, she's, she's got her guest connections, people working and what I can do to support that, that strategy or to say, Hey, I know you're doing this, but here's what's happening before they get to you. So how can I do this better? And just have that conversation with your, your staff and don't let the silos rise, let the silos fall because that's when you're going to start really seeing some, some traction with your guest connections. So let's look at the three things that I hope they don't have to see when they do show up to your service. Uh, and these, these are really great. Um, first I hope they don't have to see a group of greeters, ignoring them, talking with each other when they enter the building. This is a big deal. Your greeters probably are really great and they're probably sweet people. But in a lot of churches, let's be honest, they are afraid of new people. They might have the job of saying, hi, hello, hello, good morning, holding doors and doing okay at that. But I'll tell you, if I'm a guest at a church, what I'm really looking for is someone to make me feel comfortable before I even show get into the building. And if you've got a person that meets me at the door and says, hey, we're so glad you're here and is like really, really makes me feel like I really care about you as a person. I care that you're here. It is an honor that you would join us. And they kind of give me that feeling. That's a great first impression when I show up. So I hope your greeters do that. But if they huddle up and kind of nod their head or just wave at new people, but they're really not interested in talking to them. They want to talk to the other greeter and they're really just saying hi and shake and shaking hands. Hey, how you guys doing? Welcome this morning. And then they pass them on through and then they're back to their conversation. That translates to a guest as I still don't care. And, and you, and you can go through and say, well, Hey, I did, I checked the boxes. I said, hello. I shook their hand. I helped. I held the door. I was friendly and I I smiled. What did I do wrong? What you did wrong is you made them feel like they're not your priority. And that's a huge problem. So if your guest, you know, greeters are the kinds of people that are like, hey, I'm not talking to the other greeters right now. I'm concentrating like, hey, if somebody's coming up, I'm all about that person. That's what they need to be. And that is what I hope guests will see. I hope they don't see the the greeters kind of... uh, huddled up and and doing their own thing and just waving at them as they come through. Like, come on in cattle, come on through the doors and do what you're here to do. I guess that's kind of, that's not a good first impression. So number five, uh, thing that I hope no guest has to see is a poorly designed bulletin or even an app. I know a lot of app people are like down on apps or whatever. We have an app. It's a, it's a really well-designed app. Um, so I don't really want to go that direction right now, but let's talk about your bulletin. Cause a lot of people have a bulletin or worship guide, something you hand out at the door when they walk into the service, it helps them with announcements. It's a, it's a communication piece or it's a, here's what our service is going to be like. 
here's um, and I know I know in a lot of liturgical senses uh, situations there's a uh, there's a there's a real need for like the guide to be printed so people can follow along what scriptures you're reading what hymns you're singing etc. So whatever you're using your bulletin for is kind of irrelevant. What I really hate for for guests to see is when they walk in and go, this is a garbled mess you have handed me. I don't know how to find anything in it. I don't know what this is supposed to be. The only thing I can make out is on the front. It has the name of the church, the date and the sermon title and the pastor's name. And when I open it up, there's a worship guide, but the rest is just one big newspaper column of text. And I don't understand it. So however you've designed your bulletin, there's some design principles that I would encourage you to learn. And I'll give you, I'll give you four that are just basic that, that help me and forgive me, but they, it's an acronym. That's how I remember it. That spells the word crap. So here's, here's the acronym for design principles that you need to apply in your bulletin. First C is, um, is, is contrast. Uh, there needs to be a good contrast between the white space and the text you know, there needs to be, it needs to pop off the page. So if you've got a colored bulletin and you've got a green background, you don't want a, a, a text font or a font color that is something hard to see on that background. You know what I'm saying? You want it to pop off the page and be really easy to read. So plain is better if it's, if it's readable. Don't go for flashy and cute and cool if it makes it difficult to read. And that also goes into your font choices, et cetera. Like don't choose the huge scripty fonts or things that are hard to read. Just make it functional because trust me, nobody's going to walk out of that church and hold your bulletin up and go, guys, did you see this? Did you see this bulletin? I'm taking this home, man. This is a work of art. I'm putting it on the, no, it's disposable. They're going to throw it away. Or they're going to maybe put it in their Bible for a week and take some of the notes from it or whatever, but they're not going to frame it. They're not going to show their friends, guys come over and they're having the dinner and you're like, oh man, did you guys see, I haven't showed you the bulletin yet. Have I showed you the bulletin? Let me go get the bulletin. Friend, go get the bulletin. Where's the bulletin? I don't know where the bulletin is. It's in the Bible. You know, this, this is what I hear in my head. So nobody's doing that. It's not a work of art. It's a functional piece to help people worship. So treat it that way. Contrast is the reason that is, is what you need. So uh, in the C and the R is repetition. So using the same logo, using the same words, repeating things is okay if they're repeated in different ways in different places. And so it, especially for brand awareness and design, it's really helpful to have um, something that they kind of lock on to. And sometimes re what's repeated is the style. So I'll have a heading and a paragraph style and you just keep repeating that. So people get kind of the rhythm of the, of the document and they know how to follow it and flow down. And especially when you're doing a, a, a order of service, if you've got just a bunch of stuff with no like uh, formatting of any kind, you know, that that's, that's going to be really confusing to read, make it easy to read, make it easy to use. So repetition helps us do that. And sometimes it's repetition, not just in design, but repetition in format is, is very helpful. Uh, the A is alignment. Make sure things line up. The eye naturally wants to snap to one line and they want, it wants to be straight. Your, your brain really wants there to be order. Your brain wants to not have to work very hard to rearrange and interpret data. It wants to look at this bulletin and, and your eyes easily snap from one thing to the next, from one section to the next. And when you've got a bulletin that's just chock full of text, all your brain interprets is big mess of words. And it's, it's seen as one thing. And since you can't interpret all of that as one thing, and your brain's trying to tell you that's one thing, your brain gets tired and says, just quit, just 
throw it away and no one reads it. So alignment's a big thing. It's like making sure that things line up and you can tell there's kind of a, uh, an intentionality to it. So alignment's a big help. And then I've already mentioned the other one. Proximity is important. How close things are together. The proximity really translates as white space. And I know we try to cram so much into our bulletin. However, you've got to learn to prioritize in the bulletin because if you can't leave white space, you, you keep the mind, you keep the brain from being able to interpret your eye can't snap from one section to the other. And then eventually they'll say, I'm too tired. This is, this is too hard to read. Now I know that sounds like, Oh my gosh, guys, seriously, it's, it's hard to read. Yeah, it is. Think about how your people read. They read online. They read on computer screens. They read uh, short, quick, simple messages. They don't read paper books that are just big, texts and, and, and for leisure, for fun. And, and if they do, it's like a, it's, it's, it's a book. It's like, it's not uh it's not a big mess of words that have no alignment. It's there's a line, there's an alignment to a book. And so think about that, how you're presenting your information in the bulletin. Does it spell crap? Because if it doesn't, then it is. And so that's going to make it really hard for people to, uh, to, to enjoy the bulletin. So when a guest comes in and sees a big mess of a bulletin, I hope they don't have to see that because honestly, that says that information and my experience here are really my experience here, not information, but my experience here is kind of a, an afterthought. It's, it's like, we'll just throw all of it out there and they'll just go get what they need and figure it out. Well, thanks. But, uh, I kind of hope that you would lead me a little bit more than that. Today's today's guests are more tech savvy, and when you hand them something in paper, it's like there needs to it needs to be really easy. And that's my soapbox. You can disagree with me on that. That's fine. Feel free to sound off in the comments. All right, here's the last one. Number six, a long connect card. I hope they never have to see a long, ridiculously intricate connect card. This goes along with the bulletin. You know, connect cards are, are an interesting deal. Sometimes they can be too much. They can be too little. It depends on your context. So you have to be able to determine what's going to be best for our church. Think about what you need and also think about where else are you getting this information? So if you've got um, a strategy where you need all this information at once, and you know that's the only place you're going to get it is by putting it in the seat pocket or in the bulletin and having people turn it in the offering plate, whatever your strategy is, you're going to have to own that, but you still have to imply those um, principles of design, make it easy to fill out, only ask for what you need. But my preference is to ask for just enough. And I think that's a good strategy. And and because it's, it's vague enough, you can apply it to your situation. Ask for just enough. And you might say just enough for what? Exactly. Your context is going to have a different goal with your information. So in my context, I don't need a ton of information right away. For two reasons. For one, there a lot of our families that show up are just that. They're families with young kids. They're going to check their kids in at our kids' ministry, and that check-in process has to be a little bit more involved. So we're going to get all that information. If we don't, I know there's people that don't check their kids in, and they bring them to the service and whatever. We're kind of not that kind of church, but most, sometimes that happens. And so when they're in the service and they want to give us their info, how are we going to ask them to do that? We have a very long connect card. It's a little too involved right now. And our connections team leader, pastor, and I have both agreed. Like, yeah, we need to redesign this, but we just haven't done it yet. But it's got, it's asking for a ton of information. The other thing we can do, this is what I like, is that we can ask them for just enough information. And then we can contact them later for the rest. So 
I know that that adds an extra step, but that what that does is it makes their experience while they're there better for them. And it makes you have to put all the work. It puts all the work on you to go chase them down, which they also kind of like. I'm not saying pester them. I'm not saying show up at their house. I'm saying if they give you an email and a phone number and their name, that's really enough. Call them up or email them, send them a link to a form and say, glad you're with us. Would you mind filling this out when you have a second? And then when you get that back, then it can go in your database or it could be a database form, whatever you can do. If you're not sure they will do that, then wait two days and then call them and say, hey, did you have a chance to fill that out? Or just ask them like, hey, I can fill this out for you on the phone if you don't, if you have a second. All I need is a few things and make that really quick. So it's the same experience right? There's ways to do it. Or you may just say, you know what? We're just going to ask for it right then. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll give it to us. Whatever your strategy is, have one. I guess that's my point. Uh, you can tweet that. I, I, I might tweet that later. Whatever your strategy is, at least have one. Um, especially when it comes to guest connections. So, uh, but I know a long connect card that takes forever to fill out is annoying for a lot of people. It would be for me. And what really frustrates me is when I go to a service and I've got a long connect card and you want it back like by the offering and um, you haven't given me any time in the service to fill it out. I've had to stand up and sing or I could sit down during worship and be that heathen and fill out the card. Because if you're not standing while you're worshiping, there's sin in your life, right? That's what everybody thinks. That's how you feel. And especially how a guest might feel. So I don't have any chance. To, there's announcements going on. I need to listen to this guy. I want to find out about the church, but I got to write this thing down and my brain can't do both at the same time. Or there's this cool video going on. I could fill it out then, but I want to watch this video because, hey, I'm at the church. I'm having an experience. I want to know what this place is about. I don't really care if you get my information. What I care about is getting something from you. I want to know if this is a place I want to be before I'm giving you all this info. And so the guest experience, it needs to come first when you're thinking about guest experiences. And so in a service, if you're not giving them time to actually fill out the card, then don't expect to get all those info, all that info back. Or if you're going to make sure if you're going to do something like that, where you don't give them a lot of time, then give them a very short card to fill out so they can do it quickly and easily. They can put it back in the seat or in the pocket or in, they can put it in the, in the plate or in the bucket or whatever you do, or they can take it to the welcome center after whatever your strategy. They can turn it in and then you contact them and you do the legwork because when you're serving a a guest like that, that kind of translates as customer service, it's guest service, but you're the one after them. And when, and everybody knows it is a whole lot more fun to be pursued than to be pursuing something you find to be important. So it is, uh, it is nice when people are taking the time to help you do this the easiest way that may not work for you. Whatever works for you, let's figure it out and have a strategy. So those are the six things that I hope no guest has to see. Just to review, I hope they never have to see a bad website. I hope they have don't have to see that your pastor or your church hasn't posted on social or not involved in a long, long time. Uh, number three, that it's an announcement-driven social feed. So you're, you're all about the info. And that's what happens beforehand. Now, the other three, I hope they never have to see is a group of greeters ignoring them when they show up. Uh, number five, a poorly designed bulletin. And number six, a long connect card with no opportunity to fill it out. I hope no guest has to see that this Christmas season. I hope that you guys are paying attention and loving on people who show up at your church because there's probably going to be a lot of them. Christmas is a great time of year to really focus on making everything for the guest uh, and pointed at the guest and making sure that they come in and they know exactly what it is to be here at this church because we're trying to connect them 
with uh, with Jesus Christ. We're trying to help them into a relationship. Maybe they already have one and they just haven't been in church for a while. Maybe they just moved to the area. They're devoted people just looking to make a decision on where to go. Maybe they're a person that just got dragged there because they're visiting it from out of town and, and their family goes to church, but they're an atheist and they don't care. But their grandma made them go to church, so they're here. And they're wearing whatever they got to put on to get through it. And they just want to get through it. Make sure that you can wow those people into at least turning and looking at, at Jesus Christ as a possible answer to maybe their life problems. And, and, and is it something so small, honestly, when you think about it as saying hi, when they show up the right way, but that can honestly start an avalanche. It can be the small pebbles that start an avalanche for someone rolling down the hill towards faith in Christ. And you might just be the first little nudge that gets that first little pebble going. And that's all we're looking for is, can we just move them that way? Don't look for the big answer. Just wait and see if you can get them moving that way, just by trying to do the little things. I always say this, uh, somebody once told me that the devil is in the details. And I've always thought about that phrase. That's an odd phrase. Um, because I've never been a detail oriented guy and I have to really work hard to pay attention to details and guest connections is one of those details that many churches ignore. And until you get everybody on board of as to why it's important, it's, it's kind of, you can feel like a lone ranger in that. You can feel like, why does no one care about this? But it, it's, it's, it's a detail that is very, very important. And so what I like to say when I, when I hear that phrase is yes, if the devil is in the details then that is where we do battle. And we're doing battle over people's souls. We're trying to convince them that Jesus Christ is who he says he is and can live and rule in their hearts and and bring them to a peace and a joy that they would not know without him and they will never have without him. So when we do guest experiences, it's all in the same, it's all in the interest of helping people to come to and, and just maybe turn towards him just a little bit more. So thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys have a great Christmas. Um, I'll be back in 2018. Go get the show notes for this at sethmuse.com slash 42. And I will see you in 2018. Thanks. See you.